Hey there, Justin again, Fully Live Athlete Pastor Channel, and we are on day 48 of the Online Bible Reading Club. And man, it is cold in Oklahoma today. It's Snowpocalypse 2021. I would love for you to uh, get a little distraction from the cold by reading the Bible with me today. Let me give you a little review or preview, depending on where you are. Uh, we're going to totally punt on 21 and 22 of Leviticus. Uh, read it. If you've got questions, comment below. Uh, but I, I want to focus all the attention today on Matthew 28 because it is probably the most important chapter in the Bible. Uh, one of the most important, that is. Not every chapter is as important as others. And some are more at the heart of the center of the story. And this is one of those. So if you look at Matthew 28, uh, in the previous chapter, Jesus has been laid in a tomb. And then on the third day, he uh, is you know, dead in the tomb. And then here come women to um, the tomb. And on that morning, uh, they rise up early and go to the tomb. And they see an angel. And they hear an earthquake. And it's announced that Jesus is not in the tomb. He's risen. And they don't see him, but then they depart from the tomb with fear and joy and no explanation for the empty tomb, uh, except here comes Jesus. He appears to them. And so the, the question before us is, did this really happen? <laughs> did this really happen? Everything depends upon if that really happened. Why would we doubt it is the question. Why would we doubt this? Uh, if you're, unless you're just radically skeptical, you can't know anything. Why would you doubt this uh, report? You know, so I would say that when it comes to Jesus, no one is neutral. We all have an axe to grind with Jesus and we don't want to accept him. I was in that camp and I get it why you would want to deny it. So let me give you four reasons you might uh, use to deny that this happened. And one, uh, we'll look at uh, another explanation. So how do you explain the empty tomb? Uh, number one is that the disciples stole the body. And that's actually mentioned in this chapter, 28, 11 through 15. The elders call the guards there who witnessed the resurrection and say, what happened? Where is he? And they tell him, like, okay, here's what we want you to do. Go and tell everyone that the disciples stole the body. Well, why would you? Why would they do that? Is the question. There's a lot of problems there. Number one is that uh, why? Why? What do they have to gain from that? Why would they make this lie up? What would? What would they gain from it? Uh, it's going to just wreck their lives that this is true, because they're going to suffer and die for this. And if it's all a lie, then uh, it doesn't make any sense. There's no motive for that. And there's no evidence to uh, back up that they actually did that. You know, somebody would have confessed. How would they keep this, uh, you know, <laughs> all the way through? No one would tell. And they'd all die and suffer for this thing. Well, no one, there's no evidence of anyone ever confessing to lying about it. So that's, that's a problematic thing. Also, the next second view, the first one is the disciples stole the body. I think that's not compelling. The, the second one is the Roman authorities stole the body. Uh, like why would but again why would they do that and there's again no evidence for that so why would we just take the report as it is rather than coming up with a conspiracy theory that we have absolutely no basis for uh, so that's the second point is you know how would you explain the empty tomb and the physical appearances 
if one of these first theories is true where you know they're just lying about it and they've stolen the body or they've moved the body to a different tomb and uh, brought about confusion but then again they can't explain that people actually saw him right? namely those women and the disciples later in this chapter and many others as Paul says hundreds saw him and these people were just walking around and they could easily refute that if it wasn't true it was a well-known historical fact that Jesus did rise from the dead so third uh, this one, you know, it, it gets into a, uh, a really interesting theory. This is my favorite theory of what, how to explain the empty tomb. Number three is the swoon theory, and that's that, I call it the princess bride theory also because it's like he was, he was uh, all, mostly dead is what they're saying. That he was on the cross and the Roman authorities, the Roman soldiers who are pro-killers uh, botched it somehow and thought Jesus was dead, but then he's actually alive and then in the tomb... He, he uh, after several days, uh, recovers. Uh, he's in a coma or something. He sits up and uh, is magically recovered and, and then somehow musters the strength after being extremely beaten and destroyed uh, for many days here. Uh, and he gets out of the tomb somehow. He moves the rock and then he overpowers the guards and he convinces his disciples that he's resurrected even though he's mostly dead. Uh, and that doesn't seem to, to make any sense, though, because a mostly, man, a mostly dead man wouldn't have the strength and the wherewithal to get all that done. Uh, and, uh, you know, the, again, the Romans were brilliant at killing people, and the cross, uh, it doesn't, doesn't leave people um, alive. Yeah, the, the, the idea is to be dead. So there's no, no real basis for this uh, theory making any sense to explain the empty tomb. Again, you've got the physical... Uh, resurrection of the, the resurrection accounts the, the witnesses and they didn't notice an almost dead man he didn't he didn't look like an almost dead man uh, you know a guy had been beaten up he looked better you know so four uh, the fourth explanation for the empty tomb is the mass hallucination theory now what's fascinating is people who reject Christianity uh, oftentimes and I was one of them like to like to say well I just believe in science well if you believe that multiples of people, hundreds of people, all had the same hallucination, uh, that would be very unscientific because there's no evidence of this ever happening. And, and, and reality is that people don't have mass hallucinations. They don't all see the same thing that's not there. Uh, it's common maybe for, for some to have hallucinations, uh, but that's a, that's a limited to one person thing. So you're thinking about that. You can't explain the the uh, birth and uh, you know the, or the or the death of Christi, or death of Jesus by hallucinations because hallucinations uh, don't occur with multiple peoples and and they also align with expectations and people were clearly not expecting Jesus to rise from the dead. So then, what are the ex, what are the uh, what other theories could you have here? These are all uh, pretty uh, absurd if you look at it. Uh, what other explanations can you have for the empty tomb? Well, I think at the end of the day, you just got to say, well, I don't like miracles. I don't believe in miracles. I don't think miracles can happen. We know they can't happen, so therefore, I'm not going to believe it. And if you believe that, you, 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 like, you, you've, you've decided from the outset that you're biased against the story, and uh, you need to reconsider your bias. Everyone's biased, but is that a good bias or not? Let me tell you why I think it's a bad bias. If you deny that he really rose from the dead you can't explain the birth and this rise and spread of Christianity and that I'm sitting here today on a video on YouTube talking about this carpenter 
who died and rose again from the dead. Like, and that I call him Lord and I worship him. Like there's no good exa- explanation for that. No way that works. But when this, this gospel, this news about Jesus is read and, and proclaimed, uh, some people who are unconvinced like myself, I previously was unconvinced, now I'm convinced. And I think that this is the most important story that anyone could ever hear. Why? Because it solves the great problem of man, that we were made in God's image, we're made to glorify God, but we sin and rebel against him. But then God himself comes down, takes on flesh, unites himself to us, and we with him now, through faith, are united to him in his death and resurrection so that our sins can be forgiven and we can be acquitted and counted righteous before God and live with him forevermore in perfect harmony, which we're made for. Uh, The cross and the resurrection of Jesus accomplished that. And and that's exactly uh, also fascinatingly, Jesus called that shot. He said, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to die. And on the third day, I'm going to rise from the dead. He called it. And that's exactly what Genesis 3.15 says uh, in, in, in a seed form when it says that to the serpent, you're going to bruise the heel of the seed of the woman, and the seed of the woman is going to bruise your head. So the idea was that this ultimate seed of the woman is going to, at great cost to himself, destroy the devil. And that's exactly what we see at the cross, uh, is that Christ, at great cost to himself, destroys the works of the devil. So the only responses to this is to worship Jesus, as the women do in verse 9 of chapter 28 of Matthew. No one's neutral here. Don't be neutral. Worship him. Glorify him. Sing his praises. He's risen. He's risen indeed. It's the best thing you could ever hear if you're in Christ. And then if you're in Christ, if you believe in him, uh, be, be a disciple. Be a follower of him and, and make other disciples. Share the, share the gospel with others uh, that they might hear and believe and teach them to obey everything he's commanded. So you must really focus on the church and, and being a part of this ministry of Christ through the church, through the disciples, uh, in this body of making disciples together and going to all nations, baptizing and teaching. So there's really no other way to explain this empty tomb and that Jesus really did rise from the dead. And so if you believe that, here's what it involves. Romans 10.9 says that if you believe in your heart, if you believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Go look that up. That's the promise. That's the gospel promise. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, meaning the Lord of all, the creator and Lord of your life, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, meaning you will live forevermore with God, forgiven, acquitted, declared to be righteous, a member of his household, sanctified, glorified, all that. So that's the end of the day. That's a lot. But we've gone through all the explanations of how to explain this empty tomb, The only explanation that holds water is that Jesus miraculously rose from the dead on the third day in Matthew 28. So in the next next video, we'll be looking at uh, the Gospel of Mark. So we're going to keep moving on, and we're going to finish up Leviticus. But if if you're all the way through the end of the video, like the video, comment, subscribe. uh, Keep it going. Keep reading the Bible. We'll keep on doing these videos, uh, and let's, uh, let's get to know the Lord through it. Peace. See you next time.